1 through 20. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And Quirinius was governor of Syria. Then Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he is in the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with Mary child. His betrothed who was with child. And while they were there, that child came for her to give birth. I'm for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him, him in a manger because there is no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out the field watching the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the, the glory, glory of the Lord, Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Our great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly was praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. 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 And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste to Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Amen. They did a good job, didn't they? That was nice. Well, Merry Christmas. It's good to see you. Thanks for being here. This is our family's first Christmas in the Tri-Cities, and we're excited to be here and to celebrate it with you. Yeah. And this, uh, this month, our family did something. Well, there's bells down here. Hang on. That, could, that was not planned. All right. This Christmas, our family did something uh, that we haven't done in many years. We got our picture taken with Santa Claus this year. 
which is a, which was a lot of fun. I brought the picture of our family with Santa this year. So this is a picture we got. We haven't done this in many years, so it was a lot of fun to do it. How many of you got their picture taken with Santa this year? How many of you out there? Okay, so many, some of you did. How many, how many of you remember doing this when you were a kid? Getting a picture taken with Santa or going with your kids to get a picture with Santa. Do you remember that? Now, there's all this built-up expectation, of course, right, to meet Santa, to be with Santa. But for not every child, is that a wonderful, joyous experience? Am I right? <laughs> Maybe you were one of those people. I went onto the internet. I just found a couple of pictures. I just couldn't resist showing you. Here's a couple of kids that um, had a little different experience meeting Santa. But here's the deal. You look at a picture like that and you know, look at how dressed up they are. I mean, they look perfect. And I'm sure the parents were thinking to themselves, okay, we'll get them all dressed up. This is going to be so great. We're going to get this perfect picture and it's going to be on our cards that we're going to mail out. We're going to put it on social media. This is going to be the picture perfect moment with Santa, with our kids. And then this happens, right? So not such a fond memory for these children and this moment. Here's another picture that I found that I thought was funny. (laughs) This little girl... (laughs) This little girl is not quite sure what to think of Santa right here, right? It's like, mom just set me on Santa's lap, and I just don't know what is going on around me. So here's another picture I thought was great. Look at that one. (laughs) This little girl is like, I'm not sure if you're Santa or Satan. I'm really not sure. That's kind of the face right there that she's giving. And then, of course, there's this one. All right. (laughs) Now, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. How many of you at some point, let's leave this picture here. Let's go back to that. Leave it there. It's just too good. How many of you at some point this Christmas have felt on the inside what this little girl looks like on the outside? Some of you are like, yeah, you don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to raise your hands. But if, if maybe you have felt that. If we were to hear stories from different people here in this room, my guess is some of you would say, would say yeah, I have felt this way on the inside. Maybe you felt it on the outside too, and those could, around you might attest to it. But you felt that way. Maybe it's Christmas, maybe at some point over the course of this year. Why does it happen? Why does this happen? Why do we feel this way? It happens because so often, like one of these, like this child probably was very excited to see Santa and excited about the opportunity. Maybe, maybe not. But all of a sudden, in the moment, you're like, well, this was not what I was expecting. And all of a sudden, you, you feel all of these feels, and you see the reaction, because this is not the picture, the ex- expectation that they had. Let me put it this way. Let's just say we gathered a bunch of children together, and we told these children, hey, we've talked to your parents, and they have told us what you want for Christmas. So we went out, and we got you all a present. Here's a present. Go ahead and open it. And the kids, of course, would be so excited. They just, oh, this is, we can't wait. They open up the present. Inside of the box is a fruitcake, some jumper cables, some batteries. How do you think the kids are feeling in that moment? <laughs> they're a little frustrated and confused. And if you're a child, they're not afraid to tell you, are they, right? So this is not their expectation. They're expecting one thing. And all of a sudden, what they get, what they receive is not what they were expecting and it creates problems, confusion, 
challenge. Now, we as adults would do this in different ways. Maybe it's not with presents, but perhaps you have the picture perfect, um, you know, picture in your mind of what Christmas will be like and holiday family traditions. And maybe for you, it's going out and getting a Christmas tree. And you have this, this picture of like, okay, we'll go out, we'll go to the tree farm, we're going to get this, you know, get a tree, we're going to set it up. The kids are going to be singing carols the entire time. We're going to be like sipping hot chocolate. It's going to be awesome. But then when you get to the tree farm, you get there and all of a sudden things don't go the way that you pictured it. Things, unexpected things start to happen, like beginning to argue over what is the perfect tree. And can we get a tree this size to fit inside of our house? And you stand there and you argue long enough over the tree that it starts to rain. And then it starts to hail. And because we live in the Tri-Cities, it starts to get what? Windy. Okay, you know, I'm learning, by the way. You get, it gets really windy. And so everyone's now wet and cold. And now the kids are no longer fighting over what tree is best, but they're just fighting with one another. And mom's had enough. She's waiting in the car. Dad has left to get that tree down up on the car. And they drive away in silence. That is until one of the kids says, Dad, the tree just blew off the roof, you know? It gets worse. Is that the picture perfect holiday moment? No, not by any means. You have an expectation of one thing, but then the unexpected happens and it changes and it's challenging. And we have this happen not just at Christmas time, but in all of life. We face unexpected challenges. And when we face those unexpected challenges, it's hard for us. It's difficult because each one of us has a picture of what we want our future to look like, what we expect to happen whether that's a, a picture of how we want our health to progress or a picture of how we want our finances to go or a picture of how we want our marriage to go or our families to go, how we want our kids to turn out, where we want our career to go. We have a picture of how we want things to go, a certain expectation. But when the unexpected happens, it's challenging to us, isn't it? It creates real challenge because then we're starting to ask the question, well, why is this happening? Why isn't this happening the way that I expected it to go? And then, of course, the more critical question is, how am I going to respond to that? How do I respond to the problems, challenges that come into my life that are unexpected and difficult to deal with? Now, each one of us have different ways of responding in those moments, different ways of responding to unexpected challenges in our life. And what I'd like to do is just point out a couple of the ways because um, you probably relate to them because we can tend to respond in some unhealthy ways when unexpected challenges happen in our life. We may not be screaming loud out loud, but we do different ways and maybe you can relate to them. So let's just for a moment take a look at some of the different ways that we respond negatively to unexpected challenges in our lives. The first one is this, that we um, end up avoiding the challenges. We avoid the challenges. And maybe that's you, where you feel like, okay, when there's something that's inconvenient or ill-timed, you find yourself wanting to avoid those challenges. You run from them. You run from any challenges that comes up in your life. And um, in that, for, 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 for many people who end up wanting to avoid challenges and run from them, what ultimately happens in those moments, too, is we end up running from people in our lives. We end up running from our family. We end up running from our responsibilities. We can run from our um, classes, from school, from jobs, from uh, all sorts of things. We can end up running, and it doesn't end up solving anything. A second way that we can tend to respond negatively to unexpected challenges, we try to manage the challenges. So it's the opposite. Instead of trying to run from them, we say, well, I'll take it um, you know, by the horns, and I'll just wrestle it down. And so I'll manage it. And for some of you, it's not just manage it. You hyper-manage things. 
and you're like, okay, just give me the problem. I'll take it on. If I just say the right thing, if I do the right thing, if I can control the people around me and the environment around me, I will tackle this problem. But in the process of trying to manage and tackle that problem, we end up alienating people, exhausting the people around us. By trying to solve one problem, we end up creating more problems, and it doesn't get solved either. So there's some healthy ways we do it that way as well. Another way that we do it is we try to end up numbing out the challenges in our life. That is, we have challenges that come unexpectedly, and they create pain for us, and so we want to numb out that pain. And so we end up drinking away that pain, or eating away that pain, or sleeping away that pain, or um, cutting our way, or shopping our way, or gossiping our way. We end up trying to numb away the pain. The problem is the pain doesn't go away. There's, a, there's another way that we deal with it, and that's just blaming God for our challenges. That we can find ourselves in a spot where we're so driven by these, this, the challenge in our life that drives us to blame God. And you don't have to be spiritual or religious to find yourself in this position, do you? In fact, if you're here and you're, maybe this is your first time stepping into a church or maybe you've grown up in church all your life, either way, we can still find ourselves in a position where we're blaming God for the challenges in our life. But if each one and every one of us were to stop and just step back for a moment and look at these things, all of us, if we were honest with ourselves, could say, yeah, I've done that one, I do this sometimes, and this is what I fall into. But we could step back and say, yeah, it is, it is unhealthy. Some of these ways that I have tried so hard to deal with the unexpected challenges, the problems in my life, it has left me still hopeless and struggling on my own. Which is why tonight I want to take a look at a very familiar story, the Christmas story. And as we look at this Christmas story together, a familiar story, what I want to do is just for, um, for the time that we're looking at it, you and I, let's focus in, let's pay particular attention to the unexpected challenges and circumstances surrounding the birth of Christ. Because when we see the unexpected challenges, the circumstances, the problems that were surrounding the birth of Christ, first of all, it reminds us that we're not alone in the unexpected challenges in our own life. But two, it will help us understand how can we respond differently now because of Christ. Because of who Jesus is, we have hope and we have peace. We can have a new path forward because of Jesus. And that's what I want us to hear and see tonight as we come to this story together. So beginning in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, let me read it for you. It says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So let's go back to those first two verses. So what's happening here is Caesar Augustus, who is the ruler of, that, of the, the Roman world, he issues a decree that a census should be taken. And a census would happen every so often. And part of the census, the point of the census, wasn't just to count how many people were part of the Roman world, but it was also to, to count how many people uh, could be taxed in the Roman world. So it was like, yeah, we want to know how many we are, but we also want to know how many we can get money from. So there was a, a, a kind of a point beyond, behind that. And for Mary and Joseph, who um, are a young couple and are just trying to figure things out, start life as a family, this would have come as an unexpected challenge, an unexpected circumstance in their life. No one likes to be taxed, but when you're young and starting out, it's like, okay, you know, congratulations on your engagement, Mary and Joseph. 
oh, by the way, those honeymoon plans, go ahead and just skip them because you're not going to be able to afford it. That's kind of the, the circumstance that's there. But it's, it's happening because there's something going on in the greater world, but it's impacting them. But we know what that's like too. We know what it's like to have um, unexpected things happen in the world that impact us personally, and that's what they're experiencing. For us, most notably, of course, it's the global pandemic, an unexpected global pandemic that has, has, has created challenges for us. It's created confusion for us. It's impacting our economy. It's impacted our physical health, our spiritual health, our mental health. It's created great dis- division and debate in our world, in our country, in our own homes over all that's going on around us. So we understand what it's like to have something in the world that's going on that's unexpected and it creates personal challenge. That's what is taking place in this moment. But it's not just the stuff that's going on in the world around them, but the circumstances and the relationships have challenges for them as well. Look at the next verse with me. It says this, and everyone went to their own town to register. Go ahead in verse four. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea um, to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So because there was this census and they had to go to their hometown, that meant Joseph and Mary had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And that would have been about a four days journey, perhaps more, but four days over a pretty rough terrain. And um, for Mary, because she's expecting, she's eight to nine months pregnant at this time, this means that she has to make this journey um, you know, very close to uh, the, the due date, and um, she has to make this trip on a, on a donkey. So let me ask the ladies here just for a moment. <laughs> Do you think this was part of Mary's pregnancy plan to make this trip on a donkey to Bethlehem? No, of course not. This was an unexpected challenge in their life. And so there's world stuff going on, but it's impacting them personally. Now they have to make this trip, and it's not what they were expecting. It created challenge for them personally. We understand what that is like as well. But it's not just that it impacts them um, personally, but also impacts them relationally. Let me, let me look at this next verse with you. It says this, he went there, that is Joseph, went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So there's some relational dynamics here that I want you to see here that are a little unexpected. Um, it says that they were pledged to be married, that is they were engaged and she was expecting a child. So they're not yet married, and she's expecting a child. Oh, and by the way, it's not Joseph's child. So in any context in culture, that creates some, some certain, certain realities that are there. Now we know, of course, that uh, the, an angel came to both Mary and to Joseph and said, hey, you know, the, the baby that's being conceived is from the Holy Spirit of God. It's going to be the Son of God. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to be saved of the world. And that's all great. But at the same time, when you step back and, and look at the realities that they're facing, this is a whole lot of unexpected realities and, and challenges that enter into their life all at one time. And it's not just the personal, you know, marital, relational dynamics that they're working through with this, you know, circumstance that's there that's all good, but it's all, it's, 
It's a lot to take in. Then there's the social and cultural and the community pressure that this creates, the dynamic that is, that is there for them. So you recognize, okay, there's a lot of challenges with all of that within this statement here you can read about in other parts uh, of the gospel accounts. But so there's this relational dynamic that's going on there. And we understand what that's like too. Each of us understand what it's like to have um, unexpected relational challenges or circumstances that come up that challenge our relationships. For some of you, there's relational dynamics that have come up in the course of this year or in the course of this month that have changed how you celebrate Christmas this year, what that looks like for you personally or with your family. There's circumstances that have come up relationally that change what it looks like for your working environment and your work relationships. There's relational dynamics that have come up that have changed and challenged and created, created um, uh, you know, unexpected challenges in your friendships, in your neighborhood, in your larger community. This is what happens. We all know what this is like to have unexpected things come up in big ways and small ways that challenge and are challenging in our relationships. And this is what's happening for them. Then reading on in verse six, it says this, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths. She placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Okay, so now more unexpected challenges come up. While she's there, the baby's due. The baby's coming. So she's away from her hometown, her family, everyone she knows in a strange place. Baby's coming. Okay, the baby is coming. And, um, of course, she gives birth to the son. It says this in verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths. She placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So, for some of us, we read these verses. If you're familiar with the story, you've heard the story over and over, you know, we, we read this and we go, oh, man, this is so sweet. This is so cute. It's just like the nativity set that I have at home. You know, she gives birth to a baby in this, in this stable because there was no guest room and it was just so cozy, personal, and so, you know, just warm. And you have this picture. She wrapped him in claws. How, how adorable, right? She lays the baby in a manger. Oh, well, that's wonderful. What every mom would want to do, right? So there's all this stuff that's going on. Now, if you're not sure, like, it's, all that is not adorable, by the way. It's miserable. And if you don't believe me, just, just do this, okay? Just go to any hospital around here, Catholic, Trios, Lords, and just stand in front of the hospital. And when you see a, a couple that's coming to the hospital that's expecting a baby, the baby is coming, just stop there and say, folks, I have a question for you. Would you prefer to give birth in this nice hospital or would you prefer to give birth down at a stable down the road a little ways? Now, if you are gutsy enough to ask that question, look out because there's a pregnant lady about to run you over, right? There's no question. The, the, the woman, of course, wants to give birth in the hospital, not in a stable. So there's really nothing like super adorable about this moment. It was an unexpected challenge. It was difficult, it was messy, and it was, it was hard. They faced a number of unexpected challenges, problems, issues they came into, no guest room. The question is, why? Why did all these unexpected things happen? And why is it 
that it, all of these things that took place have changed the course of history forever. And now 2,000 years later, we're still talking about these unexpected events, these things that, put, that took place. Why is it that we're still talking about them today? That's where the next couple of verses, if you have your sheet or if you want to just look in the notes, it's in Matthew chapter 1. It helps us understand the why, why all this took place. In verse 22 of Matthew chapter 1 and 23, let me read it for you, then we'll look at it. It says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So looking at verse 22, it says this, all this took place. All what took place? Well, all this took place, which is all of these unexpected things took place. All these unexpected challenges. The, the angel coming to Mary saying, hey, you're going to give birth uh, and it's going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. He's going to be the savior of the world. That's unexpected. Joseph, by the way, don't divorce her because God is in this. That's unexpected. Oh yeah, by the way, there's this giant decree that you have to now travel. And of course, at the moment that she's you know, ready to have a child, you have to travel to Bethlehem, a different city. And you're, you're going to, because ultimately you're going to be taxed. And oh yeah, by the way, while you're there, there's no guest room available. So you have to go to the stable and give birth in a stable. All of these things, all of these unexpected things took place. And why? It, it answers it in the rest of this verse. It says this, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. See, all of this was God working behind it in the midst of all the, the challenging circumstances because they, they, they're just facing a moment at a time. And of course, they have some knowledge of the prophecies, but they're still facing it daily challenge, daily struggle, uh, um, expectations that are changing all of the time. And, but yet God, in the midst of it, is weaving a plan he has a plan in the midst of all these things, in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the problems, in the midst of all the difficulties. God is working out a plan. Well, what's God's plan? In verse 23, it says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the plan of God. The plan of God was that he would come and be with us, that he would enter into humanity and he entered into humanity in a humble way, in a not-so-picture-perfect perf environment. And it's so helpful because here's the reality. We don't live in picture-perfect environments, do we? We have messy lives where there is unexpected challenges and expectations that aren't met and different things that take place that are problems that create pain. We live in a messy, broken world, and yet God broke into that messy, broken world. He entered it humbly. He entered into the picture, less, not less than picture perfect environment. And it helps us understand he came to be with us, not to abandon us in the midst of the chaos of our world and the chaos of our lives. He came to be with us in the midst of all of that. This is good news. Christmas reminds us that in the midst of the unexpected challenges, the circumstances in our life, it reminds us that God is with us that God came to be with us in these moments. And ultimately, God didn't just come to be with us, but he came to heal us, to free us, that through what he has done, who, how he lived and what, he did, what he's done for us, he set us free from our own sin, from the 
the, the pain, the shame, the regret, the loneliness that comes from our own broken lives. Jesus came to bring healing, to bring peace and joy. He came to be with us. And because of that, we can respond differently when the circumstances in our life um, come unexpectedly, when we're facing challenges, when we're facing problems. We can face the problems, the unexpected challenges differently in our life because of this. We don't have to do it alone. We no longer have to face the challenges in our life all by ourselves. God came to be with us. We can respond differently. That is, we, don't long, we no longer have to um, try to avoid the challenges. But we can say, God, you're with me in the challenges. Help me to run to you in the midst of the challenges that I'm facing. Instead of trying to manage and control our challenges, we can say, God, you're in control. Help me to trust you and to take steps of faith through the challenges that either placed in front of me in my life. Instead of numbing out and trying to mask our pain, we have a Savior who took all pain upon himself, our sin, so that we could be set free. And we can say, God, help me to find fulfillment and hope and satisfaction in you. You're the one who wants to take away my pain and actually can heal me, and none of these other things are doing it. Instead of blaming God, we can see at Christmas that God humbly came to be with us. In just a moment, we're going to light candles. And as we light these candles, it's a moment for us to respond to God. And here's my encouragement to you as we light these candles. As your candle gets lit, would you just for a moment recognize and see that that candle being lit represents that Jesus came to be with you. He came to be with me. That Jesus is the light of the world. We don't have to do it any longer on our own. And if you're here and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as we light these candles, maybe it's a moment for you to say, God, I want to trust you. No longer trusting in myself, but I want to trust you because you came to be with me to be your forgiver, to be the leader of your life. For those of you who have been following God for a long time, this is a moment as we light these candles to say yes. Jesus, you came to be with me. Help me to continue to trust you and to depend on you rather than trying to do it in my own strength to do it in yours because you're the light of the world. So let's sing and we'll light these candles together and respond to God.